This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm excited. I get to bring the word this morning, so you guys will uh, have to bear with me and... I'm excited for it. I get to bring you um, this morning a message on rest, which I think is really timely for, for many reasons. Um, it's a theme that's been coming up a lot for, for me over the past few months, and I know even Pastor Cameron had a word um, in the middle of our worship just a few weeks back, and it was really on his heart. So I do believe that it's a word in season, not just because it's summertime and that's kind of our season of rest, but um, a word in season spiritually from God. And for some of you, you may have been able to have a time of rest and vacation, your summer vacation. But for others, maybe you have your kids at home from school and you're really wishing you could get a rest right now. But, <laughs> but Scott and I had the wonderful opportunity back in April to go on a vacation to Arizona. And while we were there, well, if anyone knows, um, any downtime spent with Scott is not restful because <laughs> we, we had about multiple hikes a day while we were there in Arizona. But in between all of those, somehow, we found time to enjoy the place that we were staying. And little did we know that um, we had just picked the cheapest place online. But it ended up being one of those um, timeshare conglomerates. So we swiftly found ourselves across the desk from a well-meaning salesman who was trying to convince us that we needed to buy this timeshare in Arizona, USA, even though we're from Ontario, Canada. <laughs> I will say this, salesmen are very creative. And he made um, some interesting points about how, you know, vacation is really good for your health, it reduces your stress, and, you know, it's good for family time, all true facts. And he said something interesting that caught my attention. He said, you know, the great thing about having a timeshare is that you, it forces you to take at least an annual vacation or else you lose out on money. So I was like, huh, okay, this doesn't sound like something I want to buy into, but um, I thought, how funny is it that we have become so work-oriented that we need someone to convince us to take a vacation, to take that time of rest, and that we've become so money-driven that it no longer just dictates how much we work, but also how much we rest. And that really hit me and, and started to stir up this whole thinking of rest. And although we didn't um, buy into that, for obvious reasons, um, it sparked that, that wanting for me to find out more about what, it, what is rest. What does that mean for us physically and spiritually? And I mean, I have a nursing background, so I learn in school physically that, you know, it's good to rest because you lower your stress and it, it helps your, your gastrointestinal system so you don't have ulcers. It's good to lower your blood pressure, all those kinds of things. Something interesting that always really stuck with me was it helps your immune system and not just like as in you need to rest when you have a cold, but actually when you're in a moment of stress, whether it's um, just for a season, so like for students if you're in exam time or if you have a big project at work or maybe you're just chronically stressed with your work, right? And you're always in that place of stress and not in a place of rest, then we know about adrenaline that pumps through your body. There's a little cousin that goes along with that adrenaline and it's called cortisol. And what this cortisol does, I'll get to why it's applicable later, but just bear with me. Um, what happens is your body can intake viruses and bacteria when you're in this time of stress. Your body has no idea because of this cortisol. It doesn't react to it at all. 
It just says, too busy, not going to worry about it right now. So this happened to me almost every time I went through exam time. So you're so stressed, don't worry about it, you know, I, I have no time to be sick right now, right? That kind of thinking, I have no time for anything else except for that project at work or, or these exams or, or my busy life even, right? And all of a sudden, one of two things can happen. Either you're done with that stressful period in, in your life and so the adrenaline comes down and you take that time of rest or if that's just your lifestyle of stress, you eventually reach burnout, and again, your body just has no more to give, right? So when one, of, when one of those two things happen, all of a sudden that cortisol is gone. And all those viruses and bacteria that were in your body now come up to the surface. But that whole time, they've been able to just grow and have a heyday in your body without you knowing. You had no symptoms. And so now you become way more sick than you ever would have been if you would have just dealt with it to begin with. And I thought how this applies to us spiritually. For those who aren't scientifically minded, thank you for bearing with me through that. And I thought of how this really applies to us spiritually when we can be so works-driven. When we can be in that place of, of religious works, right? We're trying to do this for God and be a good person and do it all in our own strength. It can get stressful, right? Trying to live that way. And eventually... God either makes us come to a time of rest or we choose to come to a time of rest. And when that happens, all those things that the enemy may have put in our way as a little roadblock that maybe would have just been like the sniffles, right, for us to begin with, now come up and they're this huge deal. And it's something that we maybe have to go to counseling for because we never dealt with it to begin with. So our rest is not just important for us physically, but also for us spiritually. And I'm sure all of us have had a time when, when maybe you've felt worn out um, or overworked. And maybe it's not today. Maybe you are, like Ray was saying, in that moment of, you know, I'm good. And I just want to feel God's love. But I'm sure every one of us at some point in this past year have felt those stressful moments. And, you know, God, um, God doesn't want us to live in that place, but he actually gives us this call in Matthew 11, verse 29 to 30. I love how the message says it. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound awesome? That when we walk with God, when we choose to walk hand in hand with him, it's almost like he wants to take us into an apprenticeship. Come alongside of me. I'll show you how to live freely and lightly. You know, that, that thing that they were trying to sell us at the timeshare was called stay vacationed. So I thought it was catchy. But this is what God wants for us to be in that place of rest, to stay in that place of rest, to stay vacationed in Jesus, if you will. To take a real rest is what he says there. And this may seem like it's kind of a fairy tale way of living, right? Like, who has time for that kind of a thing? But actually, he gives us this call in Hebrews 4.11. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God. Make every effort to know and experience it for ourselves so that no one will fail by following the example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. 
So it's something that we should actually work towards. Rest is something that's the goal. That's, that's what God wants, is for us to be able to have that rest. And it's referring here to um, the Israelites who had come to the promised land the first time. And they had seen all of these giants there. And they let their fear become bigger than God in their eyes, right? They didn't have that perspective to be obedient and to step into that promised land, that land of rest, that place of rest that God had for them. And so it's actually saying here that rest requires obedience. Rest requires our obedience to step into it, to be intentional about it, right? And it made it so much um, of importance that it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. It says in Exodus 20, verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Well, this Sabbath day, there's a lot of rules for the Hebrews surrounding what that meant in the Old Testament, but this word Sabbath actually means rest. It's a day of rest. And, and when they were to observe this true Sabbath rest, that, mean, that meant that they had to cease from their labors and their efforts, and it got pretty legalistic for them in the Old Testament. But that Sabbath idea of rest was something that was so important that God actually was the example for them. God didn't just send Jesus to be the example. God was the example. All the way back in Genesis 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, On the seventh day, so that Sabbath day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day that he rested from all his work of creation. So I love how this idea of a holy day is all about rest. It, it's not about your works. It's not about when we read in Matthew 11, verse 29. That's why I love that, that version. It says, are you burnt out on religion? Right? Religion wants to tell you that you need to work. You need to do this in order to be able to earn what I have for you. But God says, no. It's not about your work. That's not what makes you holy. If you can rest, your rest is holy. It's a time that's holy. And if we look at, you know, this idea of a holy Sabbath, Sabbath means rest, but holy means set apart for God. So simply looking at those two things, we can see that rest is to be a time that's set apart for God, right? So it's actually one of the most spiritual things that you can do. So our pastors are being a wonderful example to us right now since they're deciding to take some time of rest and as was Pastor Ray. So we have great godly pastors to be an example for, the, for us about this. Um, but even sometimes when it comes to spiritual things, right, we can all in for the sake of, oh, I'm doing it for God. We can take on too much that maybe he hasn't called you to do or he hasn't graced you to do. And we're well-meaning. It's all from a well-meaning heart. But, you know, God doesn't want you to take on what he hasn't given you so that you get into that place that's restless, right? Because that actually means less rest. That's taking you out of that rest that he has for you. And when we do that, that means that we need to come back and recenter ourselves, refocus ourselves on God. And we can do that through getting back in relationship with him, getting in his word, praying, and really getting into a time of worship because rest actually affects our worship. They're, um, they're very closely related, actually. And we see in Deuteronomy 12, verse 8 to 9, he says, God says to the Israelites, your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. So we see here that God had a specific way that he wanted the Israelites 
to worship. And they weren't quite able to do that when they were in the wilderness. And it talks here about how they had to enter into that place of rest, that promised land that he had for them. And, and sometimes we can think that that place of rest um, is defined as their, their permanent residency, right? But if we look at the word that's actually used here for place of rest, it's minutia, which is actually translated comfortable, ease, quiet, and still. So he's not talking about needing a permanent location. That would be the same as us saying, well, we can't properly worship God until we have a permanent building, right? We wouldn't do that. We worship God. We had a wonderful time of worship. Thank you, Rachel and team, for, for allowing us to enter in that time of worship. See, we still worship God regardless of having a permanent place to be. So it wasn't about that, but rather God knew that when they were able to come to a place of ease and when they could quiet themselves and be still, then they would be able to worship him fully in the way that he deserved in the way that he wanted them to worship him. So um, he also revealed this later in Psalm 46, verse 10, when he was speaking to David. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So even here, we see that that stilling precedes the exaltation or the worship that we have for God. When we're able to still ourselves then that leads us to a beautiful place of worship. And I'm not saying that we can't worship when we're not in a place of rest because that's God deserves our worship and he is worthy to be praised regardless of where we are emotionally or circumstantially in our lives. Our worship is based on who God is and he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? We serve an awesome God. Um, but when we're in that place of rest, what happens is we're able to get clarity and we have that revelation of God. He's able to show us clearly who he is. And out of that clarity, we're able to bring him a worship that it far exceeds any worship birthed out of other places in our lives when we're still stuck striving, we're stuck in that fear or anxiety. And God wanted this rest to be such a part of our worship that actually, if you look at the Psalms, it's built right into some of the songs. And, and I highly recommend that you guys read through the Psalms. It's just beautiful. Um, a lot of them uh, have actually been made into songs. But some of them you'll read, and there's this word that you'll come across, Selah. And there's no translation for that word, so it just says Selah. But the Lexham Bible Dictionary says it's used as a musical term. So it's, it's basically like direction for the worship team of those days. And it says that at this part in the song, there should be a pause or a moment of silence or interlude. So it's a moment of rest right in the middle of their worship songs. So it's just like Ray came up and talked about, you know, sometimes you just have to let God's love surround you and just bask in that moment. And it's not about striving to get towards God. It's not about getting something out of our, our worship time. It's about being still and knowing that he is God and just being in that moment and just letting his love surround us. And those Selah moments are beautiful and they're just as much a part of our worship time as the words and the music and everything else that we bring to glorify God. He loves that, and he deserves to be lifted high. But you know what? Sometimes our words, well, our words always fall short of the glory of God. There's no word in any language that could ever glorify God the way that he deserves. But when we can take that moment to just reflect on God and just rest in his presence and let his peace overwhelm us and wash away everything else, 
Those are the beautiful moments of worship. You know, sometimes that, that takes a lot of trust for, on our part. And I don't want to belittle that because I know we come in with a lot of stuff from the week past and looking forward to the stuff in the week ahead. And there can be a lot of worries and distractions and things that the enemy wants to use to steal that place of rest from you. And he wants to get that distraction so much in you that it actually steals worship from God. Because right at the end of the day, the devil wants all the worship for himself. But 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. He wants you to just throw them at his feet. He says, you know, if you would trust me with this, then you can enter into that place of rest. I'll take it all. I'll, I'll care for it. I care for you, so I care about all those things that are, are blocking you from getting into that place of rest. He wants that for you. And when we can enter into that place of clarity, our rest brings revelation. Our rest can bring revelation. And I know Scott and I have had some wonderful times when we can just get away. My mom has a cottage that we can go to just for a couple of weeks. And um, it's wonderful. You just kind of leave everything behind for a couple of days and, you know, cast those things at God's feet saying, you know what, we'll deal with it later. And um, we just rest and get into the word and have times of prayer and worship. And God is so faithful. He says that if you seek me, you'll find me. And he always reveals himself. So whether it's a small revelation or a big revelation, when we give that time to just rest in him, he's always come out with, with something to reveal to us. And it's always been such a time of blessing. But he also revealed himself to a guy named Jacob in Genesis 28. And we can read, um, this was before he heard all that God has for his life. And it says at sundown, he, Jacob, arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. And Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway, and at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And the Lord gives him this whole message for his life and a prophetic word for him. And then it says that Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely... The Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. I love that last line. How sometimes the biggest revelation for us can be that God's presence was there the whole time. And sometimes that's all we need when we're in those places of stress, when we're in those places of restlessness. God just wants to bring you to a place where he can show you that he's still there. He's still got you. He still cares he hasn't left you. He'll never leave you or forsake you, right? That, that revelation of just that God's presence is there is sometimes all you need. He wants to show that to you. And, you know, he also revealed himself to a guy named Samuel. Um, well, both of these men actually, amazingly, got the, their revelations while they were asleep. So I love how it's in that place of rest that God actually revealed something to them. So Samuel, you may have read, he has two books in the Bible. He's really important. And so he was a major prophet. He was dedicated to God uh, from birth, actually. And he was brought up and apprenticed by Eli, who was the priest at the time. And so he's asleep in the temple for the night. It's all locked up. And he hears someone calling his name. And automatically, he thinks it's Eli. He's never heard the voice of God before. This great prophet Never heard the voice of God. 
and he's a little boy, and so he runs back to Eli, and they're trying to figure this out. He's like, no, I didn't call you. Finally, they figure out it's God calling his name. So the next time, he sits down, and he goes back to that place of rest, right? Because he's like, okay, this is where I heard God. And he hears, that, hears his name again, Samuel. He says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God downloads this huge message, this prophetic message for Eli, his boss, basically, that he had to go and share with him. And, and the wonderful thing that I love at the end of this is God gives him this big message, and what does Samuel do? He goes back to sleep. He, he's able to go back into that place of rest. I mean, I can't even sleep the night before a vacation, let alone after hearing the audible voice of God. But man, Samuel was given a mission, right? He was on mission with this message for Eli. He could have very well just gone into the next room and shaken Eli awake and said, I have to tell you something. But no, he goes back to that place of rest and waits for God's timing. And how great is that? That we're called to rest even when we're on mission. And you know, we're all on mission. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you have the great commission. So we're all meant to make disciples of all nations. One of those nations being Canada and Kingston within Canada, right? So whether it's your workplace, your school, your grocery store, you're always on mission for God. And yet we can still rest in that. And Scott and I um, were able to be a part of um, a missions trip, actually, down to Haiti for 10 weeks. And we were preparing for that, and God had given us um, a mission to go down and to teach. And so we were so excited. We had all these plans. We wanted to change the world down in Haiti, right? We were gung-ho. Even to the point where on the plane ride down, we're like, day one, this is what we're going to do. Bam, bam, bam. We're, we've got it all planned out, right? And we, we get there, and Mark and Lisa Onrat, who were just here a little over a month ago, they, in their wisdom, came to us and were like, you know what, just take some time of rest. And we're like, what do you mean? <laughs> we, we've got all this stuff to do and we only have 10 weeks to do it. And we had said to ourselves, you know, man, it would be awesome if we could reach 300 people when we're down there, if we could teach 300 people. And we're like, we don't have time for rest. But thankfully, God, uh, God kind of forced us into it because there was nothing we could do about it. And uh, we decided to take their advice and... and uh, we took some time to rest, and we decided to stay in that rest the whole time that we were there. And we, we were on mission. We still did our work. We still finished what we wanted to do while we were down there. But God revealed so much to us when we were down there um, through people that we encountered, just through life lessons, by able, be, being able to get into his word. Uh, it was a wonderful season of, of rest and revelation for us. And the amazing thing was we came back and even though we decided to be in that place of rest and just leave it with God, and we're like, oh, well, if we don't get 300, we don't get 300, right? Well, we counted up when we were on the plane ride back, and we were able to reach over 3,000 people. So don't let rest block you from, or be a hindrance to the mission that God has for you, because actually he can use that to bless the mission that he has on, and grace the mission that he has on your life. And rest in no way is laziness. Um, God hasn't called us to, to laziness. He was the example. He worked for six days, and he actually saw that everything that he did was good. Right? He made sure that he did a good job, and then he rested. And that seventh day was his rest. And in the Old Testament, 
uh, rest in the Old Testament law of Moses, they were supposed to make sure that there was no work on the Sabbath. It was very strict. So if you didn't finish your Saturday chores, too bad. It's going to have to wait. And you better make a casserole on Saturday because there's no working in the kitchen on Sunday. And there's all these rules, right? But the wonderful thing is when Jesus came and he hung on that cross, he said, it's finished. So all of that religion, all of the striving and the work, all of our anxieties, anything that would steal that rest for us was done. And we actually see the New Testament version of what this Sabbath rest really is for us. In Matthew 12, verse 8, it says, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus, the Son of Man, actually is our rest. He is the Sabbath for us. He's the Lord of rest. And if he's Lord of your life, then that means that you have the Prince of Peace, the Lord of rest, over your life. Isn't that awesome? That our rest is no longer someplace that we have to visit in between work schedules, but we can actually live in that rest in relationship with God. That relationship with him is our rest, and rest becomes a place of residence for us. Our rest is a place of residence, so we can stay vacationed in Jesus, in that relationship with him. And that means that we don't have to wait to take a break in order to have rest, right? It's not about, okay, I'll get all this done so I can finally take a break and rest. And, and this really hit me, actually. I was speaking to someone after the women's conference back in April, and guys, you should be jealous because Ray did an amazing job putting on this women's conference, and he didn't get to be there. So um, <laughs> Some of them did, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> it was really, really great. And I, I was so blessed and honored to be able to speak at the women's conference. Um, but it was something that I was really nervous about and it was weighing on me. And so I thought, oh, I said to someone right afterwards, it'll be so nice to just rest now and not have to worry about it. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I felt this conviction. And I heard God say to me, Carling, the problem is you never should have left my rest. And I was like, oh. Okay, you got me there. So he showed me that actually we need to be in that place of rest during our work. And it's his rest that's a blessing that sustains us through our work, right? Because we're not taking a rest from work, but rather we're resting from our stress and our anxiety and our striving. That's the rest and that peace that he wants for us. It's all about an inward rest, not necessarily a physical rest for us. See, another definition for rest is to be placed or supported so as to stay in a, Pacific, a specific position. So God wants to be our resting place. Rest is a position we stay in, not an emotion that we visit when we're on vacation. So that's why Jesus actually gave the, the promised land to the Israelites for that purpose. He reminds them in Joshua 1.13, the Lord will give you rest by giving you this land. So God wanted rest to be their place of residence. That promised land was to be a place of rest for them. And that's still his heart for us today. It's still his heart that we would remain in that rest. It says in Psalm 37, 7, that we are to rest in the Lord, who also is Lord of the Sabbath, right? That Lord of rest. So we are to rest in rest. Um, in, in that what Jesus has actually bought for us is that rest for our souls, that inward rest. And Jesus actually was the example of how we can do that. How do we stay in that place of rest regardless of what we're doing 
And you say, well, you don't understand. I've got a lot weighing on me. I've got a, a lot of responsibilities and my boss is at me for this or, you know, I financially have a lot of stress or whatever it is. But Jesus is our example. I, I'm not your example because I know I've got to learn from this message just as much as you guys do, right? God's been speaking this to me. But Jesus was our example. And I love in Mark 4, verse 38 to 39, we see when he went out on his boat with his disciples and a huge storm comes up, it says that Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. So there was a couple of things that I love about what Jesus does here. First of all, he doesn't let his circumstances or the people around him steal his rest. He's still asleep in that boat. And they're freaking out. He's probably getting splashed in the face. He doesn't care. He's just asleep on a pillow in a boat, just being rocked to sleep, even though there's that fear and anxiety of his disciples being like, we're going to die. And there's the, the storm going everywhere, right? And yet there's Jesus asleep. And he didn't let his rest and inward peace be ruined or stolen by the people or the circumstances around him. Rather, when he was confronted with them by his disciples, he does something else amazing. He gets up and he speaks. And through his words, he lets his inward rest and calm and peace permeate his circumstances. So by speaking out that peace, he was able to bring peace to the circumstances around him. I thought, that is so powerful. But, you know, we can't have that, that word, that speaking out rest and that speaking out peace until we have a mindset of rest and peace. The word says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? It has to start from inside. And God really wants that for us. He wants us to have that mindset of peace and rest. And, you know, there's so many things... That, will, that can bring the rest of God, but there's also so many words that can drain us of the rest of God. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 tells us that we're to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because how much energy have we wasted being jealous, angry, anxious? Those, those thoughts are all really draining of your rest, right? They're not going to bring you rest they're going to rob you of that peace of God. And God wants us to walk in that peace and that place of rest. You know, he actually says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, he's already given you that peace. He's already bought it on the cross and he's left it with you. But sometimes we are clutching to that fear, that jealousy, that anxiety, whatever it is. And God can't pour into clenched fists. But when we learn to let go and lay hold of the peace and the rest that he has for our lives, he doesn't want to just bring physical rest, but also he has rest for you spiritually and mentally. Man, we live in a time that is full of mental illness. And God wants to not just still you physically and spiritually and emotionally. He wants to, with just one word, there is so much power in the word of God. Just one word can bring rest to your mind this morning. If that's something that you've been wanting, if that's something that God has, has really been pointing out to you, his word can bring rest 
not just physically, but also mentally this morning. I just want to encourage someone with that, whoever that was for. Um, so God wants us to have that rest. And when, we, when we're speaking from that mindset of rest, God gives us that perspective that we need. So that just like we, we sang in the first song this morning, how he, um, he makes everything work for our good. That's found in uh, Romans 8.28 where it says that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So this is a promise that God has for us. These are promises that we can rest in and that we can claim. We don't just need to sing about them on a Sunday morning, but we can take them with us into our week. We get to take God with us. Isn't that great? Yes. And so when we have that perspective and we're able to keep our eyes on God and have that, that rest and that revelation and stay in that place, God wants that true rest to bring restoration to him. Restoration to a relationship with him. Because sometimes we can get so caught up in the stress of our lives that it actually steals our time from God. I mean, how many people have had a busy day and, you know, you're like, okay, I'll, I'll do my devotional time. I'll, I'll get into the word tonight. And then tonight comes and you finally get the kids to bed or you get this done and get that done. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm just exhausted. Right. And, and we let the busyness of our life steal that time with God. And it steals that, that relationship that he wants with us. But when we choose to intentionally make rest a priority, then that restores that relationship with him, that holy rest, that time that's set apart for God, right? And, and when we do that, and not just restores our relationship, but it restores us back to the place where God really wants us to live. It restores us to the lifestyle that he always wanted for his children. He spoke to David in Psalm 23, verse 2 to 3, and, and he says, David says that God makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love how this starts out. It says that God makes him lie down. Sometimes God has to make us take a rest. And the great thing is he also allows us the opportunity to choose it. But uh, God wants that rest for us. And when, when that happens, when we lie down and take that rest, he always makes sure that it's in a good place of green pasture where we'll be spiritually fed. And when we're in that place, it brings that peace besides still waters, right? He keeps us in that place of peace. And then when we're in that place of peace, we can walk hand in hand with God down that path of righteousness to bring glory to God. So when we choose to activate rest in our lives, it actually brings glory to God. Not only is it something that's holy, not only is it something that we're obedient to, but God actually gets glory when we choose to enter into that rest. I love this quote that I'll finish up with from Benny Johnson. It says, the place of connection with God is the place of rest. Finding his rest is the byproduct of coming to him. I love that. Finding his rest is the byproduct of coming to him. So it's this beautiful cycle of, you know, when we choose to rest, we draw close to God. But yet when we draw close to God, he brings us more rest. And so when we choose to intentionally step into that, it has to be a choice. Rest has to be a choice. You know, sometimes God will bring circumstances in our lives that make it so that, you know, I'm not speaking anything over anyone's life, but, but when, 
you have no choice but to rest because there's nothing else you can do. But, but God wants us to choose that and to step in to that place where he can restore you, where he can bring revelation, where he can bless your life because you choose to walk in that place of peace. Wouldn't you rather be in that place of peace than always striving and resting uh, and, and wrestling with the things of this world? God wants freedom from that for you this morning. So would you choose that this morning? Would you choose to enter into his rest, to say, you know what, I'm not going to allow anything from the enemy to distract me any longer. No matter what it is that's going in, on in my life, I'm going to lay that aside so I can go after God and go after his rest and claim all the blessings that come along with that. You know, he's so faithful to come alongside and bring his restoration, to bring his revelation, and he will bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 